Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi, everyone. Today, we are speaking about skin minimalism, otherwise recognized as skinimalism, which is a popular term to describe a less is more approach to skincare to help us achieve glowing skin. Over the past couple of years, skinimalism has become one of the biggest beauty trends amplified through Instagram and TikTok that encourages simplifying our skin routines for the better of our skin health. And to help us understand the benefits of skinimalism and the best skincare regimen for you, whether you are in your 20s, 30s, 40s, or above. Today, we are joined by Harvard-trained dermatologist, dermatologic surgeon, and skin enthusiast, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. Dr. Mina uses her medical and dermatology training to help educate people with real skincare, beauty, and cosmetic guidance. And today, she answers our burning questions to help us maintain a healthy complexion and reduce the number of products we own. You'll be motivated to skip your multi-step skincare routine for a simpler one with less products and less ingredients to help you improve your skin. Adopting a less is more approach to skincare will also help you save time, money, and the environment as using less product means less packaging and less waste. Be inspired to opt for a simple skincare regimen that helps you take back control of your beauty routine and lets your skin glow. We have to tell you from the top that we have been binging your podcast, The Skin Reel. It is awesome. So thank oh, you. Oh, so well, much. good. Thank you. I, I definitely felt like there was a need for sort of no nonsense kind of skincare guidance and advice that's not just telling you to go buy something or get some procedure. So I appreciate hearing that. Yeah, no, it's so great. And Lauren and I, we, we've been having calls over the past couple of days. She's like, oh, I just learned this. I was like, oh, yeah, I just learned this. <laughs> it's super insightful and fun at the same time. So, yeah, awesome. so thank you for reaching out. We're super excited to speak with you today. As you know, we have so many questions for you. But today we'll focus on the benefits of skin minimalism as well as get an understanding of your recommendations in terms of the regimens for those of all ages. So yeah. to get started, now skinimalism has recently become very popular over social media, especially on TikTok and Instagram. But I also understand that the less is more approach has been something that's been long supported by dermatologists. And I'm hoping you can share what skinimalism means to you and why you support a less is more ethos when it comes to skincare. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. And yeah, this is uh, really so near and dear to my heart because I think people want to take care of their skin and they're trying and they're getting all this conflicting information and then they're just putting on way too much stuff on their skin and it's backfiring and they're not getting the results that they want. And, you know, I think myself and I think I speak for dermatologists in general, we really recommend sort of a less is more approach because you can actually harm your skin by putting too many things on it. And then, you know, you don't get that beautiful skin that you're looking for. So to me, skin minimalism is using quality products that are appropriate for your skin type and skin needs. What I might need for my skin is not necessarily what someone who is 20 or a teenager 
would need and also maybe not what someone who's in their 60s or 70s would need. So it's not a one cookie cutter, one size fits all formula, but it's using key products and ingredients for your skin and not just putting anything and everything on it because you've read about it or seen it on social media. Yeah, you give very approachable and very affordable advice too, which is amazing. (laughs) One of the biggest things you talk about is having this capsule skincare routine. And it varies depending, again, like you said, on your age and your, your skincare. So can you kind of go over how people can create their own capsule skincare routine for both the morning and the evening? Yeah. So again, I think the the first step is sort of figuring out what your skin needs are. And if you're unsure what they are, seeing a dermatologist can really be key and can, you know, probably save you a lot of headache, frustration and money in the long run. But say you've already done that step and you sort of know you have pretty normal skin and you know you're just looking for what are sort of the bare minimums or what are the basic things so if someone asks me what should i be doing for my skin and i'll tell them you know the first step is to use a gentle cleanser to wash your face especially if you wear makeup and at the end of the day before you're going to bed that's really key and pretty non-negotiable whether you wash your face in the morning with soap or just water i think can vary on your skincare needs But a gentle cleanser, I recommend, you know, very, I'll call them bland, but I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that they're simple and pure and fragrance-free and not with a lot of additives that can irritate your skin or cause an allergic reaction. So keeping it simple with your cleanser. And then in the mornings, I, you know, it's non-negotiable for me. It's a sunscreen. If you want to have beautiful, healthy skin, you've got to protect it from the sun. And if you want to do kind of a natural approach, use a physical blocker, which is going to be something like a zinc or titanium sunscreen. Otherwise, you can use uh, what we call chemical sunscreens. And a lot of sunscreens are a mix of both. But putting on a sunscreen every day is really your best way to prevent sun damage and photo aging over the years. For a lot of patients, that's really all you need in the morning. But some people who have dry skin may want to also use a moisturizer. And those who tend to have more acne prone skin may want to use something a little bit stronger, maybe like a salicylic acid or a benzoyl peroxide. They may want to spot treat any acne lesions that they have. So again, this is where coming up with a plan with a skin expert like a dermatologist is so key. But, you know, if I had to list three or four things that should be in everyone's skincare program, it would be a gentle cleanser, sunscreen that covers UVA and UVB rays, that's also SPF 30 or higher, a moisturizer, and then my favorite for the evening is a tretinoin cream. Some people know this as a retinol or a retinoid. It's a uh, vitamin A product or cream. And this is also for me kind of non-negotiable. It's such a great anti-aging cream that if you can get on board with this, even in your 20s, you are going to have gorgeous, beautiful skin as you as the decades pass. So those would be, you know, that's what I use. I don't, you know, do anything else. 
those are sort of what I use on a day in day out basis. And do you have any brands you recommend? I know in your podcast, you actually say Dove cleanser, just a bar of Dove soap, which is amazing. I was so happy when I heard that. <laughs> yeah. I um, mean, that, that is what I, I try not to, you know, I'm not affiliated with any brands. So, yeah. but I, yeah, I just use the Dove. Uh, I think it's called like gentle beauty bar soap. And um, I use that and it's great. It's mild. It's gentle. It's non-drying. So it, again, you don't have to spend a lot of money. What I encourage people to do is save your money for the things that, you know, we really know are going to work, which, you know, if you're into cosmetic treatments, save it for that or save it for a trip. I don't know, save it and do something fun with it, but don't waste it on a hundred dollar, $200 creams that are going to give you limited benefit. People are surprised. I, I recommend a lot of drugstore brands. And, you know, names will probably be familiar like Dove, Aveeno, Neutrogena. Those are all great brands. If you're looking for maybe a little more luxury, I like Elta MD, La Roche-Posay, I think makes some good products. You know, I'm less focused on an actual brand. And I would say spend more time looking at, you know, flip that bottle around and look at the ingredients and see what's actually in it. And do you uh, use a makeup remover at night or just the cleanser? So I don't wear a ton of makeup. So I just use my my Dove bar. So I don't mm-hmm. use something separate. Okay. Yeah. Because I never use makeup remover and I feel like people always think I'm crazy, but I'm like, if <laughs> yeah. you use a cleanser and a washcloth, you can get all of your makeup off. So yeah. Yeah. I do use a little, I should figure out what the actual name of this thing is, but it's like a little rubber pad that go like I put on my fingers and I kind of rub like that. And I, I do find that helps me really get any, you know, powder off or, or my mascara off. Um, so I do use that to help, but yeah, I don't use a separate makeup remover. I'm not a, you know, you must wash twice before you go to bed kind of deal. I think mm-hmm. if you, if you wash, you dry your face off with a, a washcloth and if you still see makeup, do it again, do it one more time, but otherwise you're good. Wow. That is awesome. So I've been told that a cleansing oil or, or some type of makeup remover product is really helpful for removing the makeup. So I know Lauren, she just uses a, a really nice hot face cloth and she puts on her face to pull everything off. But for me, I don't find that that works as well. You know, I would, I would still, you would still want to follow up with a cleanser for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that sounds like it would feel nice and, you know, kind of almost like a little spa kind of Mm -hmm. treatment, but I, do I think that's necessary to remove makeup? No. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm listening to you here and I'm thinking, gosh, I wish I spoke to you back in my twenties because (laughs) this is fantastic advice. I mean, the idea of, a capsule skincare regimen is fantastic. I think a lot of us, we think about paring down the items in our closets and we don't think about, oh, paring down the number of products that are in our daily routine. So, I mean, one of the things that I was thinking about were, okay, well, Lauren and I were in our thirties, but you know, we also need to think about those in their twenties and those in their forties and fifties. So I, I learned that the skin minimalism trend is like an elimination diet for the skin and that it's all about going back to the basics. As you said, you know, you're just using regular bar soap to cleanse your skin. And so I, I, I'm curious, what kind of skincare uh, regimens would you recommend for those starting with those in their 20s, then into their 30s and 40s plus? Yeah, so I think just 
being in your 20s and really thinking about your skincare, it's it's awesome. It's great. Um, and what I would say is if you're thinking about it in your 20s, prevention is key. You know, we have amazing lasers and procedures that we can do, but they're always still limited. So if you can prevent sun damage and if you can slow the signs of aging, you are going to be way better off in your 30s, 40s and beyond than your friends who don't. So, you know, my top advice is prevention. So don't smoke. If you're smoking, please stop for a multitude of reasons. But if the only thing that will get you to stop is that it's going to make you prematurely age, then, you know, I'll take it. But, um, you know, not smoking is key, not sunbathing. I can't believe how many young people I see still tanning, still, you know, still burning themselves. And, you know, your 40-year-old self will thank you if you can (laughs) stop doing that and start wearing sunscreen. So, by wearing sunscreen, not tanning, you're going to you're going to keep your skin looking beautiful much longer. Exercise, drinking water, you know, establishing those good practices are all good. And again, this all falls in that prevention bucket, which will serve you so much better and it's free, right? You don't mm-hmm. need to buy anything to do it. Beyond that, I would say, you know, a lot of people in their 20s are still struggling with acne. I know I was. So their skin may be a little more oily and they may need more uh, products geared towards that. So maybe like a, again, I would recommend a tretinoin product because that helps with acne when you're younger and helps open up pores, um, clear out those comedones, which cause acne. Also doing something maybe like a benzoyl peroxide wash in the shower. If you tend to get those sort of large inflamed red pimples can be helpful using like salicylic acid, you may need a little bit stronger cleanser in your 20s if you do struggle with acne. And if you do struggle with acne, I would say see a dermatologist because if we can treat your acne before it scars, then you are also going to keep your skin beautiful and nice longer. So once it scars, again, we have, we're more limited. So establishing those sort of good practices in your 20s. And then as you move into your 30s, you know, continue that and sort of expand upon that. I find a lot of people, a lot of my patients in their 30s are also going through pregnancies and Mm -hmm. there's hormonal changes and stuff with that, changes in their skin. Um, Fortunately, your collagen production is still pretty high in your 30s. It's not, it's tapering a little bit, but it's still high. So establishing those good habits. When you're pregnant, you're going to modify a little bit. You're not going to be you know, using your tretinoin products and you'll kind of shift gears, but still making sure you're not getting sunburned, not tanning, not smoking is all key. And then as you move into your 40s, which I'm now in my 40s, so, you know, your skin does change. I, You know, your skin dries out a little bit more. It loses moisture a little bit more often. Acne is not as much of an issue for a lot of patients, although it can be um, a lot of Women in their 30s and 40s will get something called hormonal acne, which is the acne along the jawline. And we treat that a little bit differently. So if that's something you're struggling with, I would see a dermatologist because we can. There's some really effective therapies for that. But as you get into your 40s and beyond, that's when you really do start to see collagen loss. And you may want to consider doing some procedures to sort of minimize that or um, 
kind of reverse some of those signs. And that would be things like botulinum toxin, fillers, chemical peels, things like that. Right, right. Yeah, you actually talked about that in your podcast. You you talked about uh, well, in simply put, Botox. You call yeah. a treatment, and and it's a toxin. Uh, you also mentioned that it's a paralyzer used to soften wrinkles. Now that's something that Lauren and I have not done. We are in. I'm in my mid thirties. Lauren's in her early thirties. But I do have friends who have done it, and I do have friends who are also interested in it but hesitant. Now, yeah. what would you say to that person who's a little bit hesitant? Uh, you know, how safe is it? And what should we look for when uh, we're, we're meeting with someone who's going to give us uh, Botox? Yeah, so I, I think people fall on all different views on this. And, you know, if you're totally against cosmetic procedures, it's not for you. And that's totally fine. If someone is thinking about it, I, I kind of joke, it's a very natural product because it's from a, it's a naturally produced toxin from the bacteria called Clostridium. So I, I kind of joke that it's very natural, but what it does is it paralyzes your muscle. And when it's ingested, which is why we don't, pediatricians will say, don't give babies honey because honey could actually contain some botulinum toxin. And if a baby ingests that, it will not be able to remove that toxin from their body and then they would they develop this full body paralysis. So it can be, you know, harmful when it's ingested like that, but the way we use it medically is to take a small amount of it and actually inject it directly into a muscle of movement and that paralyzes the muscles so that instead of making that angry scowl look, you can't and it softens it. So I think We've all seen bad Botox and we've all yeah. seen people who are overdone. And I know it can, it can be, it can look scary and people say, I don't want to look fake. Uh, I still want movement. And I think we've, the pendulum has swung from sort of the totally frozen look to just a softening of expressions rather than complete paralysis. And, you know, that's something to discuss with your injector, whether, hey, I want no movement whatsoever, or I want softening. And um, I actually had a patient who had small children and she told me that she needed less Botox because she still wanted her son to know when she was upset with him because he <laughs> used her her face as a visual clue. And, and so we can sort of adjust the doses so that you're, it's more of a softening rather than a complete paralysis. So I think that's where seeing someone who really knows facial anatomy not just go into the Groupon place down the street would mm -hmm. really serve you well. Go see someone who really has experience with this. They know about how the muscles of the face work and interact, and they can you know, help you come up with a plan. I always recommend starting low because you can always add and you can't take away. So it's a great option for preventing lines because if you aren't creating that scowl expression to start with in your 30s and 40s, you're not going to have those etched in lines down the road. So that's interesting because you said it's preventative. A lot of friends of mine they say, oh, you know, I tell them, oh, I don't want to do it. I'm, I'm that's just I'm more the natural way, even though it's mm -hmm. kind of natural in ways, as you said. But Lauren and I, we share in that we we rather focus on the inside out 
Um, yeah. You know, the things that we can do, stay out of the sun. People always laugh at Lauren because she always has a massive floppy hat in the summer hiding from the sun. But she's I like, laugh at you, Lauren. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Her friends, she, Lauren's like, well, I'm going to look young when I'm older and you girls are not. So it's a- so funny. Absolutely. But, but now that, you know, we're in our 30s, we're, yeah, I remember introducing Lauren to hyaluronic acid. I was like, oh, this is the new thing. And then now everyone's talking about resveratrol and retinol. And I know that retinol is something that you really support. And I'm curious what the difference is between those products and what age we should start using them. The, so tretinoin or uh, retinol, which is the over the counter strength of it, you know, that's something you could even be on as a teenager if you're struggling with acne, because what it does is it removes, sloughs off the top layers of skin. It opens up pores. um, It helps prevent fine lines and wrinkling. But when you're using it, when you're younger, you're using it more for acne prevention. And then you can just sort of transition into using it for your nighttime cream and, you know, indefinitely for the rest of your life. What I love about it is it doesn't take a lot, small amount, a few times a week, and it really, really can make a difference. I can almost pick out people (laughs) in a lineup of who's using it and who's not, because it just gives a brightness to the skin that I really see unmatched in other creams and products. I know it can be hard to get used to, and it takes a little it, it it's kind of like exercise, right? You don't just wake up and go run a marathon. You have to kind of train and get used to it. And, and so it does take a little bit of uh, patience and practice to, to build up to it and build up a tolerance. But um, I definitely think it's worthwhile to try. And even if you're just using it a couple nights a week, I think you'll really reap the benefits down the road. Um, resveratrol mm-hmm. is an antioxidant that people are looking at for a number of of things. I am not recommending it just yet for patients for skincare products and stuff. It's still, I think it's exciting and I'm excited to see where it goes, but I've been less convinced of the studies out there of how it really would have, you know, taking a pill or eating it is really going to affect our skin. I think in general, just eating a balanced diet, getting lots of fruits and veggies and in a healthy way, that's going to give you great antioxidants as well. So at this point, I'm not recommending it, but we'll see maybe in five, 10 years, it'll be a new story. Okay, great. For retinol, I have really sensitive skin. I know some people have extremely sensitive skin. Do you still recommend using it or using less of it or using a different brands or do you have any brands you recommend? And as well, I want to add to her question. I'm curious if, uh, you know, I'm scared of using retinol because my skin is already so dry, but it's, you know, apparently you shouldn't wear it outside when you're in the sun. These are ideas that we hear. Yeah, you're going to want to use it at night. And, you know, I used to have very oily skin, but even now that I'm in my 40s, I can, my skin is drier and I don't use it every night myself. I just use a a compounded one, like pure prescription strength, kind of no frills that, that we have compounded for us and have in our office. But if you do have sensitive skin, then I would say start off with an over-the-counter product. Those are going to be less strong I think Rocks makes one. Most of the companies, Neutrogena, I'm trying to think which other ones have it. But you know, you, you can find a number of these nighttime creams that say they have retinol in it, and that's going to be a weaker or 
less concentrated form. And I would say start with that. Again, don't use it every night, build up to using it. And it, I say just use a tiny little pee on your finger and you dab that on so you don't need a lot. So I think where people run into problems, they're using too high a concentration or a strength. They're using too much and they're using it too often. What you can also do is mix it with a moisturizer at the same time, and that should help. I know if I tend to get dry sort of down here, I'll skip that the next time I use it. So just kind of play around with it. But um, again, also starting it in the winter is a little bit hard because it is so cold in most places. Sometimes, you know, spring, summer can work out better because it's a little hotter. Our skin is less dry. And just two to three times a week is good. Yeah. If that's all, like, that's really all I'm doing right now in the winter. And then in the summertime, I'll probably bump it up a little bit. But yeah, if it's just that, do it. That is awesome. Well, your skin is glowing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it looks you amazing. Have beautiful skin. I know I, I was, I've been watching some videos on your Instagram page and just like, wow, you look amazing. Oh. I'm like, what are, what are her secrets? <laughs> well, I'm telling you, but I'll say my number one is sun protection. So you always can spot me outside because I have a hat on. Oh, awesome. Awesome. I mean, I, we, Lauren and I were talking earlier about how you said that we should apply our sunscreen first before our moisturizer. And I was like, wow, I was thinking to myself, oh, but I was told not to back in the day because then it goes right in your pores and it's greasy, but no, that's the best way that it will protect and work. Right. So yeah, you know, there, there, people have different schools of thought and I don't necessarily think it's wrong to do it the other way. But I do find, you know, I, I like to put it on first because I know it's on. And then if I need to yeah. sort of add a little extra moisturizer, I can. But that that's my preference. If you're doing like a vitamin C serum or any serums, I would put those on first, then do your sunscreen. But I find that the sunscreen can be a little bit of a moisturizer anyways. And so you maybe don't need as much of your moisturizer as well. Okay, great. But the, the other thing I just love is, I mean, I... I don't love to put creams on my face throughout the day, which, you know, even though we say reapply and all that. So for me, I would rather just stand in the shade or put a hat on instead of have to kind of grease myself up again, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon or when five o'clock, whatever. So I really think just avoiding the sun coming into direct contact with my skin is super important. And that's why wearing hats staying in the shade. Those are all great options too. Yeah, no, I definitely did that in my twenties. I feel like all my friends would laugh at me because I was sitting in the shade covered in sunscreen. They're like, you're so weird. (laughs) I'm going to look good in 10 years. Yeah. Right. Touch touch base with them in 10 years. I want to, we've been talking about moisturizing. Should people vary their routine based on season? And another thing I want to ask is about moisturizing masks, like the sheet mask, cream masks. Those are all really popular now. Do you do them? Do you recommend them? Well, okay. Your first, so changing your skincare with the seasons, again, it really just depends on where you live and your skin type. I know when I was in my twenties and probably in my thirties, I really didn't need to. But now I do find I need more moisture, especially in the wintertime. So if you find your skin is feeling tight, cracked, flaking, then you will want to up your moisturizer, which is pretty common in the winter, especially if you live in cold climates. But again, it's not a hard and fast rule. If your skin feels fine in December where you live, 
don't feel like you need to go out and get a new moisturizer just because someone on a podcast <laughs> told you to, to change it up. So again, just kind of base it off of your needs. If your skin feels fine, it's oily at the end of the day, you're probably fine. Um, but in general, for a lot of people, I, I like a lighter moisturizer in the summertime, like a lotion that's thinner, and then sticking with sort of a thicker cream-based product in the wintertime can be helpful for a lot of people. And then your other question about sheet mask, I actually do not know what those are. <laughs> it's just a sheet. It's a sheet and then yeah. you put oh, it on your sheet. face and you leave it on your face for five, 10 minutes and then you take it off. It's just another mask instead of some type of cream. Okay. Yeah, or okay. a or hydrating mask. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, I don't know exactly what's in it. If it feels good and it's not giving you a rash and all that, fine. You know, I'm not against people like having fun with their skincare and things like that. I just don't want people to think that kind of stuff is mandatory to have good skin. So if you like it, it feels good and, you know, there are no side effects, then go for it. But what I say you need to spend 50 bucks on them or I don't know how much they are, you know, you could eliminate that if you want. <laughs> yeah, I always okay. saw them as like Band-Aid solutions. You know, it'll yeah. give you maybe some hydrated skin for the next six hours, but it's not going to do anything for the next few days. So, right. you know, have a built-in, simple built-in routine and be consistent with it and, and eat healthy, as you said, and keep hydrated. You really, really push the idea of drinking as much water as you can. I think you said 2.7 liters for women and 3.7 for men. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And that, I mean, that's just an average. So you got to think about if you're exercising and where you live, it, it, it likely could be more. And, and this is something I definitely didn't do in my 20s when I was in med school and residency. I, I think I drank Diet Coke, 2.7 liters of Diet Coke. <laughs> so yes, I would encourage everyone to drink more water. It's, I mean, it's so good for your body in general. I, I think if you really want good skin, you've got to also just take care of your body as a whole. You can't expect your skin to look great when you're feeding your body just junk and not taking care of your whole body. So having, like you all said, more of an inside out approach is really key. I love that. Now, you you also talk about all the things that you can do to get that beautiful skin glow. And you, as you just said, you know, even just exercise will really improve your skin. I know that, you know, when I exercise, I, I just feel better. I do feel like my skin glows a little bit, even after the shower. Yeah. But um, so today I want to tell you, so today I went to Sephora, our favorite place, <laughs> and I love to go there. But every time I go there, I just find that it's just getting more packed with new brands. It's just like, it's overwhelming, right? Mm -hmm. The paradox of choice is there. But with your help and your advice today, I feel like you're helping our listeners now approach stores like that with better intentions that they are like, oh, okay, these are the couple of products that I need, which is super helpful. I read online, I read multiple studies, including one by skinstore.com. And they concluded that the average woman puts on 16 skincare and cosmetic products a day. And it just made oh, wow. me think like, it just made me think like, wow, like think about all the ingredients that are going on your face. And then I thought about myself after I read that and I was like, I need to declutter my skincare routine. So yesterday I went through all those things and I packaged up things that I haven't been using in a while. And I packaged up extra cleansers and extra moisturizers that I was 
adding to my face and I, and I got rid of it. So I'm now on this elimination diet and <laughs> it's, it feels really good. It's, it's, it simplifies the number of products in your bathroom. You just feel a little bit lighter, but no, I, I wanted to talk to you about the industry in general. So on your website, theskinreel.com, you talk about how the skincare market is a 17 plus billion dollar industry. I was like, wow, not shocked. Yeah. Because I find that marketers continue to tell us to buy more, the more that we own, the more beautiful we'll be, right? And that's that's what we're told. So I'm curious, do you think that the industry will ever turn towards a less is more approach? And what can consumers do? Gosh, <laughs> I, I don't know if that will ever happen because, you know, it's just our society, right? And we want to, if I can buy something to fix my problem, you know? Don't we all want to do that, right? Mm -hmm. It's and you know the marketing. It's sleek. It's pretty. It's sexy. You know, so I, I'm not immune to it either. I don't think, based on how our society and capitalism and all that, I I don't know if companies will ever will ever stop. But I think consumers can sort of say, you know, I'm I'm not going to keep falling for this and. You know, for me, the easiest way to do that is to just not even go to these stores because when I go, of course, I'm going to find something that I need or want or think I need. So it makes it hard. And I think programs like what you all are doing, um, showcasing minimalism and how living with less can actually be more fulfilling and rewarding. I think it's going to take people like you all out there promoting this idea of less is more to to maybe get the industry to listen. But, you know, when they're making 17 billion off of all of us, it's hard to say that they're going to slow down. So I, I really think it just is going to take us in trying to cancel out the noise. And, you know, it's hard with social media for sure. And you see things and you see people with beautiful skin and you think if I just buy this product, I'm going to, you know, my skin's going to look like that. So I think just listening to the experts, sort of reducing the noise, the distractions, and having a plan and sticking with it and, and just realizing there are no magic creams or pills or potions out there. You know, it's prevention, number one, and just making kind of smart choices uh, that will really in the long run serve you the best. But I, you know, it's hard and I, I'm good at my minimal skincare regimen, but I haven't quite been able to fully brace minimalism in the rest of my life, even though I really, <laughs> really want to, but it's hard. It is hard. It is hard. I actually read another study that concluded that the majority of the Gen Z consumers between the ages of 13 and 24 prefer brands endorsed by a physician or doctor. I thought that oh, was wow. really interesting. And I was like, oh, well, I, I agree. I would prefer that as well. So when I'm speaking to you now, I'm thinking, oh, what is in your capsule? <laughs> like, I'm curious. I'm like, do you know, do you have an idea of the brands that you use or or the specific products. So I'd be really curious to hear. Yeah, well, I can, you know, I think you'd be surprised. So I, I told you it my it's my Dove Beauty Bar Soap, or I, they probably want me to say cleanser, not soap, um, cleanser. I really love the Elta MD sunscreens for my face. I will um, usually use that on my face and, you know, a Neutrogena Aveeno on my body at the beach, things like that. I use a 
compounded tretinoin that we have in my office for my nighttime cream. And then right now I'm really enjoying the CeraVe cream that comes in kind of a big tub. And that's what I use as my moisturizer. So that's my skincare regimen. Um, I do, you know, I do Latisse. I do do Botox. I have done cosmetic procedures like fillers. I've never done a chemical peel or laser resurfacing or anything like that. But, you know, if the time comes, I, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that. But again, for me, I, I think I'm at the point in my life where I'm, I'm prevention has helped me a lot. And I find that I save my money for little tweaks with some Botox or some filler to help sort of stave off, you know, the the aging process. But again, it's natural. I mean, it, there's no way to totally reverse it. It's going to happen. It's just what our bodies do as we get older. So I think also learning to kind of just embrace that in the different seasons in your life. And, you know, I'm not trying to look 20, but I'd like to look as good and youthful as I can, especially when I feel youthful. So again, I think this less is more is is so key. And I wish more people uh, would embrace it and give it a shot because I think they'd be amazed the benefits they would see in their skin and in their wallets, right? <laughs> You are a true skincare minimalist and Lauren and I are going to take on this challenge. This is great. (laughs) Yeah, this is amazing. It is crazy how much skincare can run. Like we're talking in the thousands of dollars that some people spend. And I'm like hesitant to even research skin because I know that people are going to have these long lists of products you're supposed to use. And I feel like since my early 20s, I always just wore sunscreen, drank my water, wore my hat was super consistent with cleanser and moisturizer and has worked for me. So now I just need to get a retinol cream. (laughs) That's right. You're doing everything right. (laughs) So I, I, I wanted to ask you because I personally have a dermatologist appointment at the beginning of this month. And it's mainly because, and I'm asking this in thinking about our listeners at the same time, I'm asking this question. I personally suffer from cystic acne. And I'm in my mid thirties. I never had acne until I was 27, 28. And I've been on the pill. I've tried topical creams. I've tried eliminating things in my diet. And so I continually deal with these things, these flare ups once in a while. Now I've been taking this uh, vitamin drink actually over the past few months and my skin's completely improved. So maybe I was lacking some, some vitamins and minerals because I'd never really taken any vitamins before, but I still have flare ups. And sometimes I get really super down on myself because I know, especially cystic acne can really, really affect people's confidence. And I'm, I'm curious about the healing and the wound process. Cause I think a lot of us will, will get these breakouts and some people they'll just get regular pimples, but for me, it's like much deeper under the skin. And so it's a little bit more painful. And of course, once it gets infected, it's it's a, it's a wound, it's open skin on your face. So what should, what can we put on these things or what should we do and what should we avoid when we have wounds on our face? Well, first of all, your skin looks beautiful from here. So oh, thank you. <laughs> but you know, a lot of, um, we'll see people like you who are like, wait a minute, I'm not 16 anymore. Why am I still struggling with this? Or, or I never had acne before and now I've got it. So it sounds to me like there's a big hormonal component to your acne and so whether that coincides like with your your periods and things like that is something you'll want to talk about with your dermatologist 
But the good news is there are some really effective treatments for cystic acne. And when it's that deep and sort of lodged under the skin, I really like oral medicines for it to really get kind of to the root cause of it. And so being on a tretinoin will also help, but you know, they they may recommend or talk with you about things like the oral version of tretinoin, which is isotretinoin, which is also known as Accutane, which I know can sound scary for um, some listeners who, you know, have maybe heard the reports and, and everything, but it's actually a really, really effective drug for people with severe acne and really can change someone's life who is burdened with really terrible acne that they are just embarrassed to be in public. So, you know, that's definitely, we can talk on a, another time about sort of the pros and cons of that, but there's also other medicines called spironolactone, which is really great for hormonal acne as well. So that be, might be something to talk about, but simple things you can do now, if you feel like you've got some cystic acne coming out, I like a benzoyl peroxide wash and I recommend the 10% wash. And I like doing it in the shower because it will bleach your clothes and towel. So if you just kind of spot treat, if you've ever done that, you think you wash your hands and then you go touch your, your gray towel, you'll notice you'll bleach it. So I like using, I think Clean and Clear had one or Panoxyl Bar has one. Just using it in the shower when you're getting those big inflamed lesions, especially if they've opened up and they're you know coming to the surface, that's going to help decrease bacteria, kind of clean them out and help them help them sort of resolve. So I like a benzoyl peroxide wash. Sometimes using a topical antibiotic like clindamycin can really help with those inflamed lesions. Trying your hardest not to pick at them is key because you can scar, but I know it's hard. But it it sounds like, you know, for someone who really has cystic acne, it's a deep, it's hard to get to. Um, maybe being on something systemic might be helpful. You know, it was really helpful for me. So my skin's clear now, but a couple of weeks ago I had, I had one and I just like have one once in a while. It's not okay. like everywhere, but it's always like really bad, you know? So it's like, I, I always, I was like, okay, well, what do I do in the healing process? And you recommended on one of your episodes to use petroleum jelly. And I was like, oh, I think I have that in my cupboard. And so I used that and it healed it so fast. I was like, well, wow, yes. that's too helpful. One, that's another, like one of my, my favorites is just, it's petroleum jelly, Vaseline, Aquaphor. Those are kind of trade names. It's, it's like a, a miracle ointment for wound healing. And a lot of people think the wound needs to dry out, let a scab form. And it's so wrong. If you can put a little petrolatum Vaseline on a scab, let it, that will just help it heal faster. So yeah, well, I'm glad you found that helpful. Yeah, no, definitely. It was super, super helpful. Yeah. And uh, it, it also keeps, you know, bacteria and things from getting inside the wound. So it kind of works in, in several different ways. And yeah, I've done another episode. You probably have heard. I don't, I'm not a big proponent of Neosporin. So just stick with petrolatum, plain old Vaseline or Aquaphor is all you need. Good to know. Yeah. And if you were meeting with a patient, how would you begin to assess their skin? And like, what kind of questions would you ask them? Well, probably the first thing I would say is, you know, what brings you in? Usually we have sort of an intake form so I can kind of see what they're and And usually one of my assistants will go in first and kind of give me a heads up. Well, they're here for this. But a lot of times what they think they're here for or, or what 
what bothers them or what they think bothers them is actually not not what they think. I, I don't know if I made that clear, but so I like to sort of hear in their own words what bothers them. I'll give them a mirror and let them sort of say, you know, what they might come in and say, well, I want Botox, and say, well, okay, well, what bothers you? Why do you why do you think you want Botox? And they might say, well, I'm I'm feeling very hollow right here, and then I explain to them, well, actually. Botox isn't going to be your your best choice for that. It's going to be filler or this or that. So just kind of hearing what bothers people. Sometimes they just want sort of skincare advice. What would I recommend for their skin type? And I think as dermatologists, we're such visual people. So even just looking at someone talking to them, I'm already sort of checking out their skin, seeing if they have sun damage, if they have any you know, acne or scars and things like that. So just kind of assessing what their skin is like at baseline and then hearing what bothers them and then helping come up with a plan to uh, treat that or, or target that. Okay. That's great advice. That's a- I was thinking we should also arrive without makeup. Maybe, you know, I would show my dermatologist, Hey, these are the things that I'm dealing with. These are the issues. But you also mentioned that maybe sometimes we come in about one thing, but there might be something else yes. <laughs> that yes. we need to it's- work on. So, yeah, it's funny. Usually It'll, they'll say, well, I'm here for this, but then usually there's something else too. And, uh, or, or I might see something and say, now I know you were here for that, but what's going on here? That actually happens, I would say more, more often than not. But yes, if you really want your dermatologist to be able to really assess your skin, you know, don't come in with a ton of makeup on or be willing to wipe it off because that just, it's hard to see if um, it's hard to see your skin, if it's covered with a lot of makeup. So minimizing that is a great, great option. Yeah, Lauren and I were joking. We were, we were, we were saying, oh, we should ask Dr. Mina, hey, like, if you look at us, like, well, what's wrong with our skin? <laughs> you should judge both of us and tell us. Because you said that you could identify if somebody was a smoker. I thought that was fascinating. You can tell. Oh, yeah. 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 I bet. I mean, I bet you guys could as well. Um, you know, they're just telltale signs of someone who's been in the sun a lot or has smoked lines around the mouth, things like that. And it's not always the case. And you know, there are people who get lines and they say, everyone thinks I'm a smoker and I'm not. And and I know that's frustrating for them. But, but yeah, there, especially when you do this day in and day out, you can kind of pick out little, little pearls. I can tell who does Botox on a regular basis and who doesn't and uh, oh, little, little things like that. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. I hope we, I can meet you in person one day and you'll be like, okay, this, these are the areas, <laughs> but I, I wanted to, to add a little side note. I also understand that Botox can also be used for TMJ. So I suffer from TMJ. So it's my, my jaw kind of clicking in and out once in a while. And I have a friend who, who got the injections and it just did wonders for her. So there's other things that Botox can also do. Absolutely. And I, you know, it's not just for cosmetics. So we, people use them for headaches. I I tell people, you know, my son, when he was not even a year old, he was born with something called torticollis where the muscle of his neck, the sternocleidomastoid muscle of his neck was tight. And so he always had his head tilted Hmm. and had a hard time relaxing it and turning to the side, I guess, from how he was inside me. And um, he actually got a hundred units of Botox in that muscle when wow. he was about nine months old. And, you know, I tell that story because I would never give my son Botox if I thought it was unsafe or harmful. And it really was 
so key for him to help relax that muscle so he could turn his head so he wouldn't get flattening of his skull. Um, so we're using it for so many medical things as well. It's not just for, for cosmetic things, um, people who have headaches. We use it in dermatology, people who sweat a lot. And I'm talking to the point of, you know, they, they go to a a job interview and their their shirt is soaked and it's embarrassing or their palms are so sweaty they can't even shake people's hands. So really debilitating sweating and you can actually inject Botox into their palms or their armpits and it can, you know, clears up that sweating for them significantly. So, you know, everyone's got their threshold of what what they're comfortable with. And, you know, I, I liken it to kind of coloring your hair. It's not permanent. You can stop it at any time. You know, it's, it, if it makes you feel good, do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Do you, There are plenty of other things you can do to like sun protection and not smoking and all those other things we talked about. So it's just one more tool if you're interested and, and it is very safe. So I wouldn't let safety concern you. I guess it would be more of like an ethical decision you've got to make if you, if you're on board with that or not. I love, I love this. I love this because you're, you're, you're saying, Hey, that's your choice at the end of the day. I'm not going to push anything onto you. And I love how you really talk about the preventative approach. You, uh, yeah. you, approach it, you know, these are the things that you should use to prevent the aging process. But at the same time, you really do focus on all the things that we can do that are internal, right? The internal approaches versus the external products that we can put on our face. So I love how you simplified everything. Yeah, it really has to be holistic, right? You, you got to kind of fix inside out and, and then your skin will, will really shine. So it, it's sort of and I think that's the great thing about nowadays, even 15, 20 years ago, we, were, we weren't focusing so much on it, but it's sort of a all over whole body approach. Someone actually asked me yesterday, like, oh, what's your new New Year's resolution? And I said to simplify my skincare routine. I've, in other words, I said to give my skin a break, to let it repair itself, because I feel yeah. like I've been putting so many products. It's like as as you get older and older, you start adding all these products that you don't need. It's amazing. This is super yeah. helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So are you all pretty good with your minimalism, you know, in the rest of your lives? Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. So, well, Lauren's the true innate minimalist. She's always lived this way. Myself, I'm the adopter. So it's taken yeah. me a few years to adopt all of Lauren's lessons and our own lessons. But uh, we've learned that we 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 still need to really manage our mental clutter. And for me, also yeah. my digital clutter. So that's a big area that we continue to work on. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's always a, a give and take, I feel like. And you know, something I'm striving for. So I, I'll have to listen to more of your episodes to get more tips on how to minimalize the rest of my life. That's great. I yeah, love there's that. There's so many areas. <laughs> yeah. What I was going to say was so interesting is that you, even as a doctor with all your education, you'll still go into Sephora and be like, oh, I might need that. Yeah. So, but you had like, you're not immune. Like even as a yeah. minimalist, I still go to the mall and I'm like, oh, I need to shop and buy all this stuff. And you really yeah. have to stay away from it and stay out of there. And, but no, your advice has been amazing. And it, like I said, it's so practical. It's so approachable. It's so affordable. So I'm glad that this is coming to the surface more as to people who are just lining up products of all these different things that you need to do every night. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. If it's taking more than five minutes, you're probably doing too much. <laughs> 
I don't know how people can be so consistent with these like extended regimes. It's like, do you actually do that every night? <laughs> I, I know. I, I am on some Facebook groups. I, I, I can't believe it. The, the steps. And when I, you know, when I pack to go somewhere, I mean, my toiletry bag is very, very light. But yeah, um, yeah I just feel like it's got to be a, a drag. It's got to be just a time time sink that you're spending doing this. So if I can help people free up their time and and energy, I you know, with their skincare, I I hope I can. I hope they'll listen. Absolutely, Done a good job. Well, we're gonna listen. We're gonna we're <laughs> gonna take on this challenge. So I'm, I'm I'm grateful that you you're gonna you know listen to some of our episodes and our advice, and we're gonna take your advice today and challenge ourselves to you know simplify our skincare regimens. But yeah, thank you so much for your time today. I think uh, that we've talked, we've covered a lot. I want to recommend that our listeners listen to your podcast. It's absolutely incredible. So thanks again for your time. And I I will definitely update you on the process because this is fantastic information. I know a lot of our listeners have been asking, can you do a skin focus episode? Skinimalism is is the craze right now, especially over TikTok. So yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you guys for the opportunity to uh, share my message. And yeah, thanks for the opportunity to be on your show. Absolutely. And so where can our listeners find you outside of the Skin Reel podcast? Yeah. So on my website, www.theskinreel.com. And I probably just made myself sound real old by actually saying www. <laughs> I do that too. But, but uh, I also am, uh, you can, uh, my handle is at Dr. Mina Skin. And I'm on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. And you can also listen to my podcast on YouTube as well. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. That's so great. Well, thanks again. And we'll speak with you soon. Sounds good. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. That was our discussion with Harvard-trained dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. And together, we hope that we've inspired you to declutter your toiletry bags and simplify your skincare routine. We also hope that our conversation will help you make better decisions about the skincare products you buy moving forward. Similar to decluttering other areas of our lives, by paring down the number of products we use on our skin, we will consume less, produce less waste, and save time and money. As I mentioned earlier, it's like an elimination diet for your skin. It's about going back to the basics and giving your skin the break it may need. Lauren and I have already begun to challenge ourselves to adopt Dr. Mina's capsule skincare suggestion, and we will be sure to update you on how it's going in our upcoming one-on-one episodes. We would also love to hear from you about your skin routines and how this episode may have inspired you to declutter your products and modify your routines. As always, you can connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Millennial Minimalist. And if you haven't already, please give us a kind rating review you on iTunes. We read all of your reviews and your feedback helps us bring on more exciting guests like Dr. Mina. And you can learn more about Dr. Mina and her fun and informative podcast, The Skin Reel, in our show notes. So thanks again for listening. We'll speak with you soon. Bye-bye.